And good afternoon. Welcome to Daring Live. It's Thursday, and it's always a pleasure to be here with all you guys um, hanging out. And we're going to have a little bit of a different uh, different kind of show today um, because our guest is this guy. Normally, <laughs> the co-host and co-founder <laughs> of Daring Live, but we made him the guest. I'll get into that in a second. But before we start, um, what have we got to talk about, Dave? How are you doing, first of all? Everything good? Doing well, doing well. This is going to be fun. Looking forward to this. Does it feel weird not being? It, it is a little strange, you know. I'm farther away from my computer. It's hard to, I can't see the comments coming in. So uh, yeah, um... we can't communicate <laughs> right. to you on on Teams. Just like telling <laughs> right. you to turn your mic down or do whatever. Yeah, exactly. you're on your own now, son. It's going to be fun. We'll, we'll get through it together. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> resonator cases are on sale on the website daringbanjos.com. If you need a case. Uh, for your five-string resonator banjo, go to dreambanjos.com. They are 21-ish, more than 20% off right now. So go check those out. And then, of course, Halloween is on the horizon. Uh, we had a very, very good sale. Um, there's a few items still left over in that collection that are Halloween-specific. So do grab those while they are still available. Yeah, you got to spooky, spooky banjo witch. It's just spooky banjo there. witch. That's right. Yeah, yeah, plenty of those. So let's jump in. So today, like I say, we're taking a bit of a different uh, term because, you know, most of you know Dave through through being on the show and hosting the show. But, you know, not only is a uh, he's a great five string player on the claw hammer and the three finger style, but he is one hell of a tenor player as well. And we don't talk. I don't think we talk enough about tenor. We've done a few shows here and there with, you know, Don Vappi and uh, Ender Skyle and then people like that. But you know, we haven't really gotten down into the depths of, of New Orleans jazz specifically. Um, and so Dave is about as qualified as your person you're going to find to talk about this. Um, and so we thought we'd, we'd take a show and, and explore a little bit, both from a standpoint of um, Dave as a player and also kind of some of the some of the styles that, that go along with it. Um, for me, one of the reasons I suggested doing this in the first place was because Dave also is a is a very accomplished musician. He has a wonderful album uh, out called uh, French Onion Superman, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later, which if you're really interested in getting into some tenor uh, New Orleans jazz style banjo, it's a just phenomenally made uh, piece of work. And, and Dave, just kudos to you, man. It was, it was I still oh, thank play you. it. I play it around the house. I played it. I was painting my my daughter's room recently, and I had it going. And my wife was like, "What is that?" I'm like, "It's Dave." She's like, "No way!" And so, yeah, it's it's a really really good uh, album. So we'll talk about that a little later. But before we get started, let's start at the beginning. Um, Let's get into a little bit of of some of the some of the history. We don't need to go too deep, but um, the history of jazz in Orleans and kind of where that came about, and talking about the role of the banjo within it. You know, what makes it New Orleans jazz specifically. Well, you know, you know, jazz was born in New Orleans. It came out of ragtime era, and uh, and Jelly Roll Morton is uh, he's the proclaimer of the you know the inventor of jazz. Um, yeah. But you know, and uh, and in that er those early days in the turn of the century, you know, banjo was really prevalent because there was an amplification, and so there were street parades, you know, that would, um, they'd play outside doing parades, doing jazz funeral parades and, mm. and, um, you'd need to be heard. So you'd, you'd play the guitar players would usually double out as a banjo 
banjoist. And uh, so um, the banjo is more popular. Banjo is the most popular instrument, you know, in the, in the you know, before amplification came along. And, uh, yeah. and a lot of that was, you know, the five string was big, but in, uh, but in the jazz world, you know, it's it always a four string banjo or a six string banjo. Mm -hmm. um, six string was really, you know, very popular too. So that's not a new instrument that guitar players could jump right over to that. You look at um, people like Johnny Sincere and, and Johnny Sincere who yeah. played with, yeah, played with, you know, Louis Armstrong and his hot five recordings. Yeah. And, um, so, um, and then also, and then going, you know, also in, in bigger bands, they often, a violist could switch over to a tenor banjo. They, and cause it's tuned like a viola CGDA. Uh, and yeah. so they'd have string players could then jump over and pick up the tenor banjo. Um, where tenor, the name came from is not really known. There's some theories, one theory that I've kind of like, but it's not <laughs> necessarily it is, is that it was called the tango banjo because they mm -hmm. had these, it wasn't tango like in Argentina, but there was a tango craze at that time. And then these, you know, big bands that, and they played American tango music. And, uh, that's where the violists could jump over and play the tenor yeah. banjo because tenor is usually lower in pitch and the, the tenor banjo like this is higher in pitch. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's not there's logical no, to a lot of the other instrument yeah, classes. Yeah. yeah, there's there's no alto banjo, you know. Right. There's no soprano banjo, so right. yeah, it doesn't make any musical terminology sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And and I mean, what do you think that music just is? Because you know, you've lived in New Orleans. How long have you been there now? A long time, right? You were well. I grew up there. I moved there when I was five, but then yeah. I moved away and moved back for college. Yeah. When you talk about New Orleans and, and uh, New Orleans jazz, like what do you think it means to the identity of the city to the outsider, I suppose? Is it just kind of just part of that daily culture or is it kind of limited to certain areas? I feel like it's just always on when you go there. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the music is heavily entrenched in the culture in New yeah. Orleans and it's still heavily alive. It's not just like a dated tourist um you know music sort of thing it's not like um, going to still... square disneyland right where you, that's that's like the only exposure you get maybe to some people that's the only exposure they get is being at disneyland and seeing that whole kind of acting thing when you go down to actual new Orleans, it's it's there yeah it was really it had really started to fade in the 70s when disco came around um talking to older musicians is that disco yeah. really kind of killed a lot of live music and it's not just jazz new orleans funk and r&b is really you know a big yeah. part of of american culture and uh but it all came from from the same spot and um and in this in the 70s um there um the banjoist um dropping his name uh, danny barker and uh oh, danny yeah, yeah, barker yeah. brought back kind of the brass band New Orleans brass band tradition. Danny Parker is a six string banjo player and he started a church band, the Fairview um, church and they brought together, you know, kids to play. And this, this brass band tradition of doing, of doing jazz funerals had been kind of dying out and yeah. that research that he, these kids then formed some bands that became really famous, like the dirty dozen brass mm -hmm. band. Some of these musicians were, were are very, well known 
um, in the scene today. And, um, but that brass band tradition is what kind of, I would say is like the, is the engine that keeps it going. Cause now you can, in New Orleans, you'll go see, you can find brass bands on a corner all over the place. And there's every Sunday, there's a second line, which means mm -hmm. a social club puts on a parade and there's a brass band and, and, um, and everybody comes out in the street and follows it around. Nice. And, uh, so the music is very, is still going, still there's, you know, fresh energy into it. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah, I mean, you were there during Katrina, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's pretty well documented that the music in the city played a pretty big role in, in I guess, the, the, the healing and the rejuvenation of the city during that time. Do you remember much about that and being around the musicians in particular? Um, well, that was hard because the musicians were then, everybody was scattered. It was like, the, yeah. you know, everybody was everywhere. And so there were benefit concerts you know that 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 brought musicians back together uh you mm -hmm. know but everybody was still scattered and it was all kind of broken um for a moment but um when started coming back yeah the music came back pretty quickly and that was always something the you know the culture was there so it kept that it was it was you know it was something really important because to not let that die out you know, it was possibly a spot where they could die out where all musicians went everywhere and just kind of, you know, turned in, you know, it just left. But the, it, everybody's really, really, um, you know, that's again, the culture is very, the musical culture is really important. And so people really wanted to come back and start playing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Music is a powerful thing. Music is a powerful thing. Um, so talk to me, pretend I don't know anything. Pretend I don't work for the world's biggest banjo company and I know nothing about what I'm talking about. What is tenor banjo? Talk to me about that. How do they compare to a five-string banjo? Um, you're holding a, a tenor in your hand. So yeah. just let's go through the fundamental differences there. The tenor, you know, tenor banjo, it's a four-string banjo versus the five-string banjo has five strings. And yep. it's the tenor is obviously is shorter in neck versus the plectrum banjo the plectrum banjo is the same scale length as a five string it's essentially a five string without the fifth string and it has and then it's tuned essentially drop c tuning mm -hmm. for five string open g with a drop c that's the plectrum the tenor is has this shorter scale length and usually has 19 frets they make a 17 fret version too um and and it's tuned Standard tuning is tuned CGDA in fifths, just like a, just like a viola. Uh -huh. um, um, a cello is tuned CGDA too, but it's an octave lower. And um, and then there's the Irish tenor tuning, which um, is tuned GDAE, which is just like um, just an octave below a, a violin. A violin. Uh -huh. So um, you can play, you can match those when you're playing Irish music. You can match those fiddle tunes really easily. Right. Um, right. And so this, the good thing about the tenor banjo, when you're comparing it to the plectrum, because if you're yeah. playing New Orleans, want to play New Orleans jazz, you have three choices. You can play the six-string banjo, the plectrum banjo, or the tenor banjo. Um, all of them are played like with a flat pick. And um, is and, one more uh, common than the other? 
or is there like a kind of a, a main one and the other two are bystanders or are we is it fairly evenly matched around i would say historically in new orleans probably the the tenor and the six string are more prevalent um but that's not historically everywhere else when playing traditional jazz um and the tenor is i find better in a band situation because it's has this high a string and it has this really it really cuts through um quite a bit and because it's tuned in fifths the voicings the chord voicings are spread out more like if you went to the mm. piano behind me you know be spread out more like that versus yeah. when it's more you know like the open g tuning or you know or guitar tuning too they're all the voicings are all much crunched together right um it does make linear lines easier like this when they're crunched together when you demonstrate that what you mean like by here that? playing a playing a, a major scale you have to stretch you know where on guitar or open g it's just it's just right all right there underneath right. your fingers okay. or yeah. playing like a minor pentatonic scale it's you have to do all these position shifts um where again, you know, and that more guitar style tuning, it, it, it just flies under, under your fingers there. Right. So there's there's a trade-off. Um, it's a little bit stickier on the single notes, um, but, the, but the, the chord voicings are more spread out and you can kind of hear each note and it cuts through a band. Yeah. Um, the plectrum has a, has a lower, that low, it just has more sustain because of the longer neck. So it, I, right. I do, think it can be better when it's playing in like a small band or a, or a solo setting because it has that much more sustain like a five string has. And the plectrum uh, was 22 fret, right? Compared to the 19. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to have that longer scale length. You're going to have the strings are going to be able to, to, to move more. So hence the mm -hmm. more sustain. So the tenor has a, a very distinct kind of, it's quite a quick decay, right? So the, yeah. the notes are very staccato in that way. Right. Um, yeah. And it works well. That's why it works well in Irish music when they, yes. you know, when they, they're playing a lot of these quick triplet notes. I don't play Irish music on here, but you know, it really, you know, listen to Endes right. Cahill or Jerry O'Connor and it sounds, you know, fantastic. Yeah. But it's a different style. So what, what are you doing? Cause I know like in, in kind of uh, when you play in Orleans jazz, you're using a lot of kind of core melody techniques. There's a decent amount of, of triplets in there, but in Irish, it seems to be a bit more single string. Um, is that would that be correct? Or am I yeah, for the most part, there? yeah, definitely. For the most part, Irish music is playing single string. They're playing melodies all the time. For the most part, in a band situation on tenor banjo, you generally aren't playing melodies. You're playing accompaniment, you know. And uh, but if you get a, you know, when during your solo, often it's because again, you're you're um, fully acoustic, and there might be a, a bigger band, and there might be drums involved. The chord, the chord melodies will punch through a lot louder than if you play, you know, you know. Oh, that's, yeah. It's just a lot. Um, you can get a lot more power through it yeah. than that single. Infinitely more, um, yeah. But you can still pick out that melody that's going on. Yeah, and so to do that, you generally put the melody, for the most part, you're putting the melody note on the top, the highest pitch string that you're playing. So yeah. a lot of the time, it's going to be on this on this first string. 
you know, so if you're doing like the saints go marching in. You know, you, you, the melody note is all right up there. Right. Yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I like that. Um, but the role that it plays, you say, is one of accompaniment. Do you take solos? Yeah. In, in yeah, definitely do? take solos. You know, the, when you're playing the horns in a, you know, in a jazz band are, you know, are the highlight of the melodic, you know, the melodic highlight. Um, sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you definitely take solos. Okay, and and is it similar? Because I mean, obviously, even from a bluegrass and a and a um, kind of more clawhammer traditional style point, you there's a lot of kind of jams. People get together, they play the standards, they go in rounds. Does that kind of culture exist in in Williams jazz, where where everyone knows the song and you kind of just go go around like that, or is it a bit more kind of formatted, a bit more formalized? The culture in that there's a tradition, there's a catalog of songs that yeah. generally everybody knows um is um is, is the same as the, the like jamming out in a park or campground like yeah. like bluegrass and old time that that's not happening but it yeah. but there there's um in new orleans it's very easy to sit in with bands in new orleans um it's less of a less of like a concert sort of place where everybody's quiet and it's right. it's a show and you know you don't want to sit in and disrupt somebody's like concert you know but it's right. more just you know club gigs and people are you know it's more of a party and people are um you your people are musicians are quite open about having um other musicians just come sit in and by everybody kind of, if you're playing the traditional repertoire you know there's a you know you know, just like just like bluegrass and old time, if if you're playing the style and, and Irish music too, you know the repertoire. You know, there's right. a traditional repertoire. That's interesting. Very cool. And where did you get started? This is the bit. Of, you know, we talked about Orleans a little bit, and you you grew up there for a, a, a good period of time uh, during your life. And but you played five string first, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was living in Boston as in like 14 or something and asked for yeah. a christmas present anything but a guitar and anything and but a guitar yeah because everybody not many kids that are asking for that <laughs> so like my parents brought a banjo home for christmas and i stuck to it <laughs> um and um then i then i that was in boston then I moved to new orleans for for college and was uh picked up guitar at that time because i went to mm -hmm. music school and you can at that time, you couldn't go to school for music school for banjo. Um, Berkeley didn't have their banjo program at that time, and whatnot. Um, so I was learning jazz guitar in New Orleans at Loyola University, and then, uh, and then my guitar teacher was like, "Dave, like, there's there's a band leader that had that books a lot of the um, jazz brunches and private parties and scene, and uh, he's like, I think Joe Simon is his name. Joe needs a uh, banjo player because he has multiple like trios and bands going out all the time yeah. and uh he's like i'm like so i bought a banjo i bought a it was a paramount style c at mm. bernunzio's stringed instruments in upstate new york oh yeah, yeah yeah um and uh i still have that it's a great banjo and um and uh i looked before i got the tenor banjo i was i thought i was like which do I play, the plectrum or the tenor or this? And so I looked at 
like who was playing at Preservation Hall, what they were playing. Don Vappi and mm -hmm. Carl LeBlanc were playing at that time. They both played tenor banjo there. And uh, Narvin Kimball, the um, previous banjo player, was um, a tenor banjo player. And before that, Emmanuel Sales was a tenor banjo player. So I was like, all right, tenor is the one I'm going with. And, yeah. uh, and dove in. And, um, and then you just learn for learning it. You know, I already had the music theory and everything from playing, you know, jazz guitar and playing five string, but, uh, you just had to learn your, your, your chord inversions. Cause you're mainly just, you're mainly, as I said, playing accompaniment and the solos yeah. part is less important because there's a clarinet player or a trumpet player that's taking the, taking the melody part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you spent, you know, like learning your triad inversions, like and just go up and down the neck or, with a book and just uh, get them down. You know, there's only, there's three shapes for each triad. So you have a major triad, a minor triad, and then you have your dominant seven chord. So there's four shapes and, hmm. and then you go from there, you know, and, but if you can do that, you could play the gig. So you just had to... <laughs> And it was always trial, you know, the first, the first gigs were, were rough, but uh, cause I didn't know the right. repertoire that much. And, uh, right. but you learn it's on the job training, on the job training. So it works. Did, did it kind of take over in your world as, as the dominant instrument for, for a time there? Cause I mean, you play guitar very well as well. Was yeah. It... It split. There's like split between guitar and, and, um, and tenor banjo and, uh, Cause there's just, isn't any bluegrass. I was still trying to do yeah. bluegrass bands in, in new Orleans. Um, but there, there's some musicians that played it, but there's no, the audience does, isn't looking for that there. You know, they're looking for, you know, jazz or R and B or funk or something. Um, and so, uh, so that just kind of slowly stayed, you know, you know, moved away and then the tenor banjo became, uh, probably what I played most cause there's a lot of guitar players, but a lot of the time they need a banjo player because there's a certain gig might ask for banjo for specifically banjo. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, Todd is asking, I think what everyone probably is asking and we're kind of creeping up on halfway through. Uh, do you want to play something? Give yeah, us a sure. Little, we'll play, little, we'll little play a little Jelly Roll Morton. We'll play uh wine and boy blues. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, here we go.
sustain just drift on out like that Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, i love it i thought that was really the, the thing that gets me it's funny i was out um recently on the road with uh visiting some dealers and we did a couple of workshops and jens was was with us jens kruger uh which a lot of people don't realize that he started out playing tenor and so we right. did this whole presentation and we, we you know we educated these guys on different styles of banjo and the open back with the claw hammer and the three finger. And he obviously just kind of wowed him. And then we, we touched on, on the 19th fret tenor and he, he picked it up and just kind of ripped into this, this amazing song with a lot of, of triplets, a lot of fast moving paces. That was always the, the one that got everybody's eyes open because it was, <laughs> it was just really exciting to see. And they didn't know necessarily who he was, but uh, in the big picture of things, but um just naturally, I think people just got into that a lot more. Um, so you were again. I I am not, you know, very well versed in 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 um, tenor banjo, particularly when it comes to jazz. But you're doing something, a little technique there that I'm really interested in. And you're kind of like you're playing the really fast um, notes, like just in a in a longer sequence to try and like prolong it. It's almost like you're trying to make up for the the lack of sustain. What can you talk about that a little bit? Because it is a pretty prominent um component i've seen you play it and i've seen other other um tenor players use it as well like is that the idea just to kind of elongate the note yeah because if you play you know <clears throat> if you you know the note dies out so you had to you need to uh you know to, if you're playing play a half note or a whole note or something you you know you wouldn't just do that because you wouldn't hear it um you need to do it. yeah okay. do like a tremolo on it um and then also you know same with the chord you know, it just gives it because there's not much sustain that, the, you know, you know, especially if you're really playing with a band, you know, you, um, so, yeah, you do that, that um, tremolo on it to just elongate the note. Tremolo is exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what it was. And then you and you also like you I've seen you put in a, a different triplets here and there. Just a kind of little embellishments, little very quick kind of half time, oh sorry, double time um, upstrokes, downstrokes, that kind of thing. Is that a technique that you use for yourself, or is that something that that is part of that playing style that you can? It's part of the playing style, definitely. You know, if you play, you know, like that, especially with chords, a lot of the time. Um, yeah, it's it's the same. Yeah, and it's. It's the same idea though that we were just talking about to elongate the note to or to emphasize a note or yeah. something. Yeah. No, it's a nice little pickup. It sounds it sounds good. It gives it gives it a little dynamic in there as well. Yeah. What do you enjoy playing the most? Tenor or, or five string? They're you totally to different for a desert island. No, they're totally different. I mean, because uh I like them both and you know, and then in five string there's the different styles, you know, yeah. as well. Um yeah, it's 
playing the good thing the thing i like about tenor is it's hard to say what i like both because there's different things i like about all the different styles but um the good the fun thing about playing tenor banjo especially in a band is 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 that it's so rhythmic um it's like it's like you're playing funk guitar i've heard don vappi mm -hmm. say the same thing like he was playing funk guitar and like it really yeah. came through and that it's it's just like that you know but because uh you know you get these little scratch rhythms You know, and it, and so it also works. Then, in I found you know works doing sort more sort of R and B influenced sort of um, songs or, 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 or you know rhythms, um, because you're essentially doing the same thing that you'd be doing if you're playing electric guitar. Yeah, we were um, going to talk a little bit about um, kind of other genres. I think you've kind of mm -hmm. delved into it a little bit, and certainly other artists have as well, where you're using similar style similar banjo similar tuning but for for non-jazz related genres does it translate well in that sense because there's a groove element to it as well right so i can yeah it probably just sits in really nicely it sits in because of that just like you would just like the you know what you're talking about the scratch rhythm on guitar whether it be like you know reggae or whatever you know or r&b or something wherever you're doing like this little you know something some short you know yeah, you know, short rhythmic thing. Um, it really works well. It also works well in like matching, like in a lot of um, Latin music. Like they mm -hmm. use, they have like the um, I forget the name of it, um, but like in cumbia music, they do like the, the it's oh yeah, not yeah. A washboard, but it's a I know what you mean. Yeah, I forget the name of it. Somebody it's, in the chat ridged, knows. It's ridged and you rub it as up and down, yeah. and it makes a song. Um, yeah. You know, and, and in Colombia, they use it a lot in this, um, begins with V, Vianarta music. Oh, shoot. Um, but uh, that, the bit, it, that's like, I hear that, and that's like, oh, that's like the banjo right there, like, yeah. except without a note. And, you know, and you can really get that same sort of thing that they're doing, that. Yeah. Um, you can't help but just kind of move a little bit. When it yeah and it makes it yeah. just fun and 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 um but then other genres you know the banjo is really like new orleans jazz has a real new orleans music has a real connection to caribbean music you know it's often called yes. the northernmost city of the caribbean and um mm. and so you can hear that these rhythms and you can hear you know don vappy does that really well mm. you know you know um for modern players players currently that are doing um this well layla mccullough who used mm -hmm. to be with the carolina chocolate shops yeah. she does a lot of haitian music and she plays cello and tenor banjo and she does it really well as well um but you can it really works well um you know and in jamaica there's mental music and they use a hodgepodge of banjos which mm -hmm. is like music that came you know around the you know before like rocks like daddy and scott and stuff um right yeah but they used like they use like five string banjos with the fifth string taken off they're essentially using a plectrum banjo um which, which mike, mike price is <laughs> i was just gonna say mike yeah. just asked in the chat what is what is a plectrum banjo we did cover it earlier in the show but essentially yes it, it is a imagine it like a five string but with no fifth string it's it's a very similar yeah. context but yeah yeah, so, so the, the banjo works really well in music as you go south. 
you know. Uh, yeah. um, Just from a rhythmical standpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Don, we had an episode with Don Rappi. Uh, man, it was one of the earlier ones. It was during during COVID. I think it was probably around the twenties mm-hmm. or thirties, and uh, he he really kind of took us on a journey, you know, into that kind of Creole Caribbean culture in New Orleans as well. Has have you? I mean, I know you've played with him once or twice, and you you know him a little bit. Um, have you been able to immerse yourself in that side of of New Orleans jazz as well, and just trying to kind of meld everything together? How is that? Well, it all comes your... out in the same it's all the same thing it all comes out um you hear it in the like there's without gain explain what the mardi gras indians are but you hear it in early mardi gras indian music danny barker wrote a lot of tunes that had Mm -hmm. this influence and you can hear it um you know the direct like you know rhythms coming coming from africa through the caribbean and Mm -hmm. and uh so it's still there in the culture when you play you know the new orleans second line rhythm is has that clave um you know it's boom 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 which is you know it's the same clave i forget there's the song clave i forget the different types of clave that are used in in you know in latin music and salsa music and and uh talk about the new orleans second line rhythm though like how yeah that, that's you know you know it that the clave in there is okay and uh and and there's variations of that you know you can watch watch a watch a episode with uh like stanton moore or something <laughs> talking okay. about this and it'll be really cleared up yeah very cool very cool um talking about banjo specifically then you know, we talked about tenor is, is your go-to over maybe plectrum or six string. What are you looking for? You got a deering in your hand. Like what, tonally speaking, kind of what are you going for personally? And kind of what's, uh, you know, let's talk about some of the some of the tools that people could could opt in to, to, to use to get started if this is an, an avenue of banjo that they want to investigate. Like what, what would be a good setup, first of all? Well, I really like... This isn't standard, so but I really like putting the fiber skin head on the tenor um, because it warm, especially when it has a, a tone ring on it. This this banjo here, um, this is a kind of hodgepodge of, of things. It's a Sierra, the Deering Sierra banjo, but it has a it has a, a tubophone tone ring on it, and it has. You a say hodgepodge, you mean completely custom made, is what you were trying to say. Right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it has Hodge a tubophone tone ring, and and it has a a a golden series resonator because it's deeper, um, and so it gets a little more bass response. The the tubophone tone ring I like because they're warm, a little bit warmer, but they're still really rich mm-hmm. in sound, um, and I like bring the fiber skin head on it i actually got that idea from don vappi um mm. because this string especially this a string is really bright it's really it's really wound tight and it it just brings that high edge off mm-hmm. a little bit i you know i don't and a lot of other um when you play with a lot of other musicians they're like oh the banjo you know mm-hmm. because of that high end can be like if it's played poorly it can be really, you know, harsh, you know, and yeah. so that takes some of that off. 
and just warms it up. I'm trying to warm up the sound a little bit because it's it's not going to get too warm. It's, but it doesn't lose. I know you're in front of a microphone and we're kind of online here, but I mean, you can hear the, the punch in it despite yeah. the steps that you've taken to kind of warm it and, and make it. Uh, yeah, make it's it still good. very, very bright and, and yeah. punchy, you know, so there's yeah. no. And um, yeah, so that that's why I like the fiber skin head on it. Um, and it looks is a little, you know, antique look too. Um, Did you but, tune the heads similar to you would on a five string? I think we do like a G sharp, right? Traditionally, yeah, I do. I I tune it um, about maybe a little a little less, but about the same. You know, okay. with my five strings, I tune a little less than that too. I do it down to like more of a G. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, and I you play with it sometimes. One thing I do find weird with tenor banjos is you can see the bridge is like, there it is, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like really. It's, it's really crooked because I don't know what it is. It's not the strings are dirty. Um, to get the intonation right, you really have to, a lot of the time, you'll see a lot of tenor banjos where the bridge is really pushed up there. I think it's just, you know, I'm not quite sure what, what oh. that is. I'd have to ask, you know. Ask, ask Chad or somebody at the shop that, you know, what makes the tenor banjo intonation weirder than... Uh, maybe, maybe we should banjo. talk to Chad about doing some uh, fan fret system. On a yeah, <laughs> there we go. To kind of get that and, and a fanned uh, nut as well. That would be kind of fun. So other than that, that, that particular banjo then, I mean, that's to your liking. Is it is it common uh, in the genre for, for players to try and kind of make things a little warmer or would they typically get something maybe off the shelf that is, you know, frosted top head, big tone ring, like nice and bright and and full like that? Or in New Orleans, the the trend is definitely warmer. Um, yeah. You know, Don Vappi, Seva Vene, he plays a six string, but he plays an open back mm -hmm. um, with a fiber skin head. Don generally plays an open back with a fiber skin head. Um, mm. and Why do you think open back over resonator? The open back, um, because I know Don is usually playing on a stage and with mm -hmm. a microphone or a pickup he puts on it, and okay. uh, and it's a lot lighter and easier to travel with. And okay. he can hear it better when it's open back. Like, it comes to you. You can kind of hear it a little bit better. Or if you're playing the other side of the of the common jobs, as if it's is, is like uh, in New Orleans, there's a lot of like jazz brunches and whatnot where you're going from table to table at restaurants. Uh. And you don't need to be, you know, people are eating their poached eggs and hollandaise sauce and you don't need to be blasting banjo, you know, <laughs> through that. So you can just calm it down a little bit. It's that a lot lighter sense. too, though, but, you know, because the flange does add a lot of weight on, on any banjo. Yeah. So that, but, you know, it does, if you're playing, especially outside that open back, outside without microphones, you know, like mm -hmm. play for a parade, you're going to lose all that tone. You definitely need the, the resonator definitely helps. Yeah. It, it spreads itself over a lot of different kind of scenarios, right? It seems like yeah. where you, you could be in someone's hollandaise sauce one minute and then out in the parade the next and then in front of a microphone the, that same day, quite possibly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's interesting, interesting. But that's that's your banjo. and that's uh, So that is a Sierra fiber skin head tubophone tone ring. Yeah, uh, and a golden series slightly deeper resonator. Is there anything special about the neck, or is that standard Sierra? 
No, it's standard Sierra. The cool thing about the neck is I've played it so much. The Sierras come with this with a satin finish, but it's glossed all the way up and down from playing. And so it, it you know, it it has like a it's like is that a French polish, I believe, when you like mm -hmm. buff it out like this. Yeah. So it has like a French polish all the way on it, which is really well. nice. And uh, but it's not sticky like like a regular gloss finish would be because it still has the satin smoothness. So that kind of, kind of has that speed neck kind of fiddle thing. Yeah, going. exactly, yeah. exactly. And because, yeah. you know, in New Orleans is really humid. And when it's humid, your hand sweats and it gets the heavy gloss can be a little tacky. No tacky. The hand. Not, not yeah. tacky in style, but, but tacky in just. No, the, no, no. And some, some glosses are better than others as well. Like some glosses are really bad where you can yeah. feel it almost kind of becoming tacky in your hands like depending on yeah. the, the brand of, of guitar or banjo or whatever it might be right. some of the glosses out there are not not that great um what is the upkeep of your instrument like in new orleans and with that respect to humidity because it is i know it's humid is it stable enough to where you don't have to keep constantly adjusting things or i can imagine it's got to be well you have air conditioner you have to have air you know for any all of the instruments you'd have to have the air yeah. conditioning running like when a hurricane comes through and it knocks out the air conditioning it's a problem on the instruments they can really i've had to ship like send instruments out with people i remember we've else. had yeah and, <laughs> that, and it happens more often than you think we'll wake we'll come to work yeah. one morning and dave's online it's like yeah we've got a hurricane coming i might not be online for a few hours today because it's gonna <laughs> knock the wi-fi out it's kind of a different different world it, uh, compared to what yeah, we used yeah. to. It's, you get used to the power of possibly being out for a week or so. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so with it, with, you know, if you're, you know, air conditioning is all fine, but you do have, if it's sitting and you're not playing it, it can get buzzy, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's humid, even with the air conditioning in the summer, it's not, it's, you know, it, it's wet. So. Yeah. You're moving from place to place. Yeah. I imagine you have to change your strings. They do. They get dull. Change the quickly. strings a lot. They, the strings yeah. die really fast, and and because you're sweating more, so you you get more crud on the strings. Okay. Very cool. Um, let's talk about your album real quick, uh, sure. because that's one of the reasons I wanted to kind of do this anyway. So it was what two years ago? A year ago? Yeah, we it released last year, last fall, but we recorded it two years ago. So it was yeah. in the, about exactly two years ago. Yeah. We went yeah. in um, one day and recorded everything. Um, Live, right? Together. It wasn't just like overdubs. And... Yeah. Yeah. So we did, you know, um, there were no rehearsals. I'd played with everybody in various situations, but we never played together as a group before and just went in and uh, great musicians that very professional and very talented. And uh, we got 10 tunes done in eight hours yeah. so that was that was uh impressive and it was really impressive like each, you know that's like do you do y'all want to take lunch or anything and did you, <laughs> let's, let's finish this let's just do it that's pretty awesome well, was there any overdubs afterwards or was it just literally what was recorded was was the there's the a little product? you know i did some banjo fi fixes here and there there's maybe a, a couple little horn fixes here and there but generally but fixes as opposed to adding dynamic to the song yeah i mean i think yeah. doug the drummer added on one song a shaker you know but um but uh there wasn't no it wasn't like doing a rock album where you're like you know yeah. going back and <laughs> doing things over and over and adding layers on layer on layer no it's essentially you know you know 98 percent live recorded 
you know. It's yeah. pretty impressive. One of my favorite parts of that album is by far and away the drum sound. Uh, not to yeah. get away too far from Banjo, but the drums on that on that is is probably some of the best drum sounds I've I've ever heard. It's it's so big and full and just carries the carries everybody. It was it's really cool. What went the into drummer, that? The drummer is Doug Belote. He's fantastic. He's fan, you know New Orleans drummer, but he he's born in Lafayette, Louisiana. But uh, mm. he's Jerry Douglas's drummer for a long time. He played with you know he's played with everybody you know um from like john oates and uh Derek trucks and uh robin ford and dr john it goes on and on and on mm-hmm. um he's like one of the session drummers in in town and he lived in nashville for a long time um the engineer was an engineer that had done some mixing of nirvana's box set and uh i think that helped play into that drum sound. He was really mm. good at getting that that sound. How much of a role did you play in that? Like, did you get a chance to kind of hear back and say, "Yeah, that was that sounds great," or did you kind of put the trust in him to? Yeah, I put the trust in them. I mean, Doug does Doug's, you know, doing session work all the time. He knows what he's going for, and then the engineer. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not about to mess with drum sounds. You know, that's not my wheelhouse at all. It's not. It's not your bag. I mean, I can say I like that. You know, I can say that. You do you like that? Do you like that? But that's that's as far as it goes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Sounds sounds like a pretty straightforward process to get that dialed in, and then you're you're in there. So, I mean, how does it work ahead of time for for this kind of situation where you have all these musicians? Do you spend a couple of weeks rehearsing, going through stuff, or is it just the day of? Here's the here's the sheet music. Off we go. Yeah, I emailed. There was no rehearsals. I emailed the music to everybody. Most of these, it's a mixture of some of these songs are standard tunes. Some of these are non-standard tunes. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you never know if people are actually going to look at the music when you email them um, yeah. or not. But they they all can read very well. So if they didn't, they they you know, they saw it and played it. You know, we talked through the tune. Um, this is, I want this rhythmic thing going here. So I've, I've charted out, you know, the, um, the arrangement, you know, and I had some arrange some horn arrangements made by Matt Perrine, who's a great bassist and sousaphonist in New Orleans mm-hmm. and horn arranger. So he wrote some horn arrangements on, the, on a few of the tunes and, uh, and just talk it out. And here's, you know, here's a, here's the roadmap, you know, of, you yeah. know, intro, Melody, solo, you solo, you solo, you solo, you know, outro, etc. And uh, and then go from there and do a few takes and and uh, the last one, yeah. Generally, generally it's result. like the first one, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's what happens. And I was really happy. I mean, I was, I was really, you know, it's it's you never know when you're doing a one day thing, it can, yeah. it cannot happen. And, and it's, it's just, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. And so we got lucky and I was really, I was very happy with the other result. Was it, was it a, uh, I mean, what was the goal? Was it just to kind of have some fun with it and put something out and see what happens? Or was it really just to kind of, you had this urge to kind of record something with these guys and have it as a, as a lasting kind of memory, if you will. Yeah. The goal was, I mean, I've put out a lot of stuff under band names and, or with other people people and uh but i've never done anything under my name so that was one thing i wanted something under my name i didn't want to overcomplicate it because we were just going to do it you know 
mm-hmm. we weren't going to be in the studio for you know a week or something like that so it was gonna but it, i didn't want it to just be a standard trad jazz album because there's a gazillion of those out so there was a there was an energy that we were trying to get and mm. the, the a lot of tunes that were non-standard or done in a non-standard way um but we tried to keep a certain um a certain fire in the energy to make it um that i feel i feel you know really good new orleans music generally has or just good music in general has a certain fire um and, there and that's was... really hard to do when you're trying to record something as well as capture an energy. So often, yeah. like a recording can come over, come over as, as a lot more stale than you had intended. Even if it feels good, it just sounds kind of one-dimensional. So it's it's kind of hard to be able to capture that, that each individual kind of a performance as one solid energetic performance. And I think it comes across really well. Overall. Yeah, and that I think that's why it was, it was a good day for everybody, and so that's why it stayed. If, if we did it over three days, it might be like weird and dip in in energy level here and there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's that's where the plus of just going through and doing it live works. But um. Yeah, it was just and yeah, that was that was the goal, and and uh, but you know, I didn't want it to be like a banjo album though. I didn't. I wanted to just be music that you'd want to listen to i didn't want it to be you know look at me sort of so yeah so it was the banjo was a part of the performance right. not the centerpiece of the performance it was just right. yeah it just happened to be that you are the banjo player hence the name right exactly that's awesome yeah no i think it came out really really well from a from a you said there was more traditional and non-traditional overall would you describe like if you were going to give that album to to a newcomer to the genre like New Orleans jazz, would you be able to kind of confidently say, "Hey, this is a good example of what New Orleans jazz is all about," and they listen to it and they kind of get it a bit more? Or is there a bit more of a move into the contemporary from there? I would say there's a good example of what New Orleans music. I wouldn't say New Orleans jazz. I'd say what New Orleans music is about. If you said New Orleans jazz, it's not like a any sort of like historical style, like. Sure. Um, trying to sound like people you know there's a lot of people doing that too and doing it well but they're they, mm. you know they're trying to play like exactly like the style was in 1927 or something and that's mm. not what i'm trying to do i'm trying to keep the energy pushing forward into yeah. not make it weird and modern but just energetically you know in a contemporary way yeah. that's awesome that's awesome. So who are some, uh, for the newcomers, who are some uh, couple of people that, that that may be worth checking out to kind of get a glimpse into the more historical realm as well? Don Vappi, I assume, would be out there. Don Vappi, I mean, playing playing today for in New Orleans jazz, Wendell Brunius is a trumpet player, fantastic. Leroy Jones, uh, Jamil Sharif. There's a, mm-hmm. um, th- and then, you know, backtracking, there's... Um, you know, you can go back. There's a huge catalog, but uh, you know, Sidney Bechet, who's from New Orleans but lived in France. You know, Louis Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Jelly Roll Morton, and, and uh, you know, and then all through through the years in the '50s, and you know, yeah. there's a lot to go into. Awesome. Okay. Well, listen, we're coming up relatively quick to the top of the hour. What I'd like to do is see if are you in a position to maybe show us a couple of 
first cause something that yeah. maybe people can take away they're interested in in trying this or maybe they've got a, a, a tenor they recently bought one they're not sure where to start um what's a good kind of few options for them to, to kind of get practicing on yeah so the, i mean the first chord is is going to be a c chord on the in this tuning um that's going to be your home chord because you have these two strings c and g are part of the chord you need a c e and a G for the C chord. And so then we just have on our second string at the second fret with our index finger, the E, and then our middle finger, the third fret on the first string. And that'll give us our C chord. And we can take that same shape and move it over one set of strings and we're gonna get an F chord. So now we have, we have, so right here, which is with these two fingers, we can go C chord, so it'd be uh, zero, zero, two, three, counting from the fourth string to the first string. And then our F chord would be zero, two, three, zero. And right there, and then we can get our G chord with two fingers as well. So right here is our G chord is going to be on the second fret of the, of the fourth string, the second fret of the first string. So it'd be two, zero, zero, two. So we can get our one, four, five, chord progression in the key of C using just these two fingers. So we can go C, G, C. And right there you could play, you know, a thousand songs, you know, or more, you know. And uh, you know, just start in the right hand, start just strumming down. That's, that's definitely where you start. The next step would be, without getting into these shapes, is to learn your shapes up the neck, like I mentioned earlier. So you'd learn your C, sh your, your first inversion of your C chord here, and your second inversion of your C chord here, and then you'd be back to your um, root position of your C chord here. And so you'd go up the neck. And you just go up and down the neck until you can get those shapes and you do that for the c f and g and if you can do that you're like ready to go play a gig you know i feel like i could do that you could do that yeah maybe maybe tomorrow I'll grab one from the showroom and, and i'll take a little challenge and see if i can't do that, that you can do the two finger one i think you can I, definitely yeah. do that. <laughs> that i should be able to do that the weird but thing I mean, coming for tenor banjo is that you know these these shapes are a little more stretchy like mm -hmm. then you're used to if you're playing guitar or five string um they're just a, they're just a little bit more there's a little bit more bar, not stretchy but they're a little bit more bar in spots that you wouldn't use um so that's the hardest thing to get used to probably i think well chris clark just said he could do that too <laughs> i think I chris know. is right yeah i'm not sure he <laughs> we, could, you know you know chris pretty well so you can be the judge yeah. of that for sure yeah. i like that um that's awesome man i'm gonna do that i think what might be helpful and if you're willing to because just for for people who might be interested uh as they rewatch the video um maybe we can it's, it's super easy but maybe we can tab it out or do a separate video that, that is just a real good close-up of, of what's happening there um yeah. we'll talk about that yeah. offline the, the the joy of this is that i get to talk to you all day tomorrow as well as part of our actual jobs 
So <laughs> we can we can plan around that. <laughs> now you have a single coming out too, huh? I do. I recorded this in Buenos Aires. I'm in Buenos Aires right that's right now. But um and I recorded this last spring in Buenos Aires and it's a Colombian tune um by Pacho Galan. I have a Pacho Galan tune on the other album too, I Cosita Limda. But this is a Colombian cumbia tune, El Campeon. And again, like we talked about, it just it 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 works with with the tenor banjo really works in this genre, and so I really like doing it. And these Pacho Galan tunes, I really like too. Yeah. So check out Pacho Galan, everybody. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. So that when is that available? That's coming out November thirteenth. November thirteenth, excellent. And I assume that will be. I know that the album uh, French Onion Superman is on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all the rest of the the good yep. stuff. Uh, I assume yep. El Campeon will be also. Yep, it'll be there. Okay. And where can people find you if they want to know more other than just your kind of banjo marketing skills? Uh, they want to hear your actual music. <laughs> where oh, should they go? You can go to my website. It's my name, davidbandrowski.com. Crazy and, uh, that I had that ready to go, huh? Look at that. Right yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we premeditated that. <laughs> awesome. Dave, any final words of wisdom? Actually, before you do go, if if anybody is interested in starting to play tenor, what is outside of getting into the custom stuff that you did? What's a good couple of options as far as banjos go from from the Deering line that uh, that might be a good starting point? I mean, the good time tenors are great. So mm -hmm. you know, if you want to, you know, the, the open back version is going to be your lightest weight version. We have nineteen fret and seventeen fret versions. The nineteen fret is generally is definitely the most popular amongst tenor banjo players. Yeah. Um, um, the 17 fret, it's is good because it's a little smaller scale length. You lose two frets, but the frets are a little closer together, so it's, you can like, you can. It's just a little easier on on some of these stretches. Um, so if you have a problem stretching or you have smaller, you know, smaller hands, go with the 17 fret. Um, Very cool. And um, but the open back version is perfectly. Um, perfectly fine if you want more sound get the good time two tenor which will have the resonator and if you want a little more punch then get it go up to the special which has a tone ring yeah. on it. and we don't do a whole lot of customization on the good time stuff but we can if, if anyone likes the sound of days with the with the fiber skin head we can accommodate uh, head changes um so let's go to your local dealer find what you need and we can do whatever we need to do no problem so you want to play us out with a little something something there's, a, sure, there's at least gonna... one request for put on your old gray bonnet from. Uh, oh wow! Um, I was gonna, I, was, I could do that. I was fans. gonna do, uh, yeah. I was gonna do actually um, Johnny Too Bad, the Jamaican mm. tune. Yeah. Um, it's a Slickers tune that was made popular by uh, uh, Taj Mahal did it and Jimmy Cliff did it, um, but it yeah. seemed to work on on banjo too. It's a nice ease awesome. on out for the evening. So. Well, Dave, listen, it's been a real pleasure. It's uh, It was yeah. different interviewing you rather than <laughs> kind of co-hosting with you, but I enjoyed it. It was good. It was just yeah. like uh, just like being on Teams, really, just with people watching us, which is kind of odd. <laughs> when we get our bass banjo out, you know, we'll have to get you on the show. So, Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I Maybe maybe I'll record my, a, a video of myself. Like Maybe on the next episode at the beginning, I'll just prove that I could learn some tenor banjo and just play it just as a accepting the challenge kind of thing. That's about all you're going to get out of me from a public standpoint on uh, 
any instrument these days, I think. But uh, yeah, I agree with Alan. It was great to see Dave in the spotlight and, uh, you know, definitely wouldn't put you on it if I didn't think that you were just a great musician and, and really good uh, co-worker. And I think you deserve all the recognition you can get because, you know, music is music and we should be talking about everybody, not just the guests that we have. So thanks for coming on. And thank you very much, Jamie. I'm going to let you play us out. Greg Deering's walking right by me as we speak. Look at that. Doesn't know that I'm live yet, but there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Take it away, sir. <laughs> Here we go, Charlie. Oh, there it is.